Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, one of the things we love here at the Le Chaudome is uh, irony in the news. We don't get it that often. So um, we, and I be, by we, I mean me, celebrate it whenever it occurs and passes onto the Le Show news desk. Dateline Tokyo, a Japanese senior finance minister, vice finance, vice finance minister, this week apologized after a magazine report revealed that a company of his failed to pay t- taxes. Kenji Kanda, House of Representatives lawmaker, admitted that land and property belonging to his firm was seized by taxation authorities on four occasions between 2013 and 2022 due to non-payment of taxes. The fourth-term lower house member and tax accountant you see what I'm saying? Also acknowledged that he had skipped compulsory annual lectures required for tax accountant status. That was reported by a weekly paper. So uh, hats off to Kenji Kanda, leading man of our irony story of the week. Hello, welcome to the show. Opportunity, opportunity. Is knocking at your door Opportunity It knocks but once And don't come back no more So grab it in the night Grab it in the day Grab it right now Or it might get away You better snatch and grab it Snatch and grab it Better snatch and grab it Before it gets away Grab it in the east Grab it in the west and grab it in the place you hold it best. You better snatch and grab it. Snatch and grab it. Better snatch and grab it before it gets away. You better snatch and grab it Snatch and grab it Better snatch and grab it Before it gets away Grab it up high Grab it down low Grab it real tight Don't let it go You better snatch and grab it Snatch and grab it Better snatch and grab it Before it gets away
place that you like a lot, you better snatch and grab it. Snatch and grab it. Better snatch and grab it before it gets away. So grab it in the morning, grab it in the night. Well, hold it, baby, and hold it tight. You better snatch and grab it. Snatch and grab it. Better snatch and grab it before it gets away. From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome to this edition of the show. It really is late autumn. Can't we turn the clock back? No, we can't. It's getting cold. Even in New Orleans, it's getting cold. You know, cold-ish. But ish is enough. Wasn't that a uh, sitcom of the uh, 80s? No, eight is enough was a sitcom of the ishties. All right, now, ladies and gentlemen... We've got the ultra-modern knack Of getting oil from the deepest crack So give the boys just a bit of slack And say a hearty, what the frack? Well, we haven't checked in on the uh, fracking scene for a while now. We do today to learn that Texas produces double the rate of methane, that powerful greenhouse gas, than the more regulated state of New Mexico. That's according to new satellite data shared with The Guardian. It's prompting calls for tougher curbs of super emitter sites that risk tipping the world into climate breakdown. Satellite imaging of methane leaks across the Permian Basin, a vast geological feature at the heart of the U.S. oil and gas industry, show that sites in Texas have emitted double the amount of the gas, of methane, than in New Mexico per unit of production since way back in 2019. Methane, as you might know, is a potent planet-heating gas, around 80 times more powerful than carbon dioxide over a 20-year period. It is routinely released via leaks or intentionally vented and burned in a process called flaring by fossil fuel companies when drilling for oil and gas. Scientists, you know them, have warned of a scary surge in methane emissions in the past two decades, posing a major threat to efforts to contain dangerous Global heating. The Guardian calls it heating. We used to call it warming. The new satellite data gathered by a French climate technology company shows that methane is being leaked at a far higher rate from sites in Texas compared with neighboring New Mexico. Despite increasing its own oil production in recent years, New Mexico has no site with repeated methane leaks, unlike Texas, which the uh, analysis said is likely to do to a 2021 state law aimed at curtailing methane emissions from industry. That would be uh, in, in New Mexico. The effect that methane has on the global climate is devastating, says Antoine Rostand, chief executive of KROS, company that did the analysis, quoting again, good operators will re-inject the gas while others will vent it, which means it's very easy to eliminate leaks of methane that would have a massive impact upon the climate, unquote. 
Well, Stan said the difference between visible leaks in New Mexico and Texas is huge and should spur, spur governments in the U.S. and other countries to crack down on this pollution. Quote, it seems the regulation in New Mexico has had an impact without hurting business, he said. Going on, he says it's a message of hope because it shows that if you have regulation, it works. Governments need to take up their responsibilities with this. Unquote. Methane is emitted from various activities, like raising livestock, but oil and gas production is the biggest source of the pollutant in the U.S. Emissions have surged amid a frenzy of new drilling, some of it for fossil fuels to be exported overseas. Texas, despite being at the epicenter of the oil industry, has few measures to prevent companies from dumping their unwanted methane into the atmosphere. It is really frustrating that Texas continues to allow oil and gas companies to pollute with impunity when we've got a great solution staring us in the eye. That's from Luke Metzger, Executive Director of Environment Texas. He goes on, It's clear Texas is not going to stand up to big oil. <laughs> really? Took you this long? And adopt sensible standards to cut methane. Environmentalists, environmentalists now pin their hopes on the EPA, which is finalizing a new federal rule for new and existing drilling sites that it says will slash methane emissions from these sources by 87% when we get to 2030. The regulation is expected to be unveiled later this month. Can you really unveil a regulation? Seems like a mixed something. Speaking of fracking, a 5.2 magnitude earthquake was recorded in West Texas this week near the border of Reeves and Culberson counties, according to the Jewish U.S. Geological Survey. The earthquake is tied for the fourth strongest recorded in Texas, according to the uh, University of Texas, and could be felt as far away as El Paso and Roswell, New Mexico. Don't forget Winona. The number and strength of earthquakes in West Texas has dramatically increased after years of hydraulic fracturing activity in the region. A routine practice of injecting the contaminated salty water that comes up during the oil production process deep underground has been linked by scientists to increase in seismic activity in oil fields. Years of pumping millions and millions of gallons of the so-called produced water back underground has likely increased, on, uh, increased pressure and awakened ancient fault lines, scientists have told the Texas Tribune. There are almost 80 injection wells shooting water back in down under, according to the Texas Railroad Commission, which for some reason regulates the state's oil and gas industry. The quake is the second 5.0 magnitude of greater earthquake to occur in the area in just over a year. Strong, strong earthquakes like that in Texas used to be quite rare, according to scientists. In late 2021, state regulators determined that the unprecedented frequency of significant earthquakes in Culberson and Reeves counties 
was likely being caused by the injection of salty water underground. The Railroad Commission? Yes, still ordered companies in the region to create a plan to reduce the amount of water they were injecting underground in that area. Plans due to be released, I guess, pretty soon. And fracking operations in Pennsylvania may be utilizing hazardous forever chemicals, so-called, in their wells without legally disclosing this information to the state. This lack of of transparency poses a significant challenge for vulnerable communities. It becomes difficult for them to determine if they're at risk of contamination and potential health issues. A recent report by Physicians for Social Responsibility, an environmental health group, examined fracking disclosures from oil and gas well operators to uh, Frack Focus, a non-governmental organization, through their analysis, researchers discovered the fossil fuel industry had used approximately 160 million pounds of undisclosed chemicals in over 5,000 unconventional oil and gas wells across the state of Pennsylvania between 2012 and 2022. Unconventional means, in most cases, fracking. During the fracking processes, I bet you know... A mixture of sand, water, and chemicals is injected into the Earth's crust to fracture the rock, fracking, and extract oil or natural gas. Some of the chemicals used include per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, PFAS, commonly referred to as forever chemicals. They're known for their persistence in both the environment and the human body. They do not easily break down over time. These substances are found in numerous everyday products and have been linked to serious health issues, your cancer, your infertility, your birth defects. Current legislation in Pennsylvania allows companies to withhold information about the chemicals they use if revealing such details would put them at a competitive disadvantage. This lack of disclosure means that communities near fracking sites and rural households may unknowingly be exposed to harmful chemicals, posing a significant public health threat. In response to the report, a coalition of organizations is written to the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, urging the adoption of policies similar to those in Colorado, where the use of PFAS Forever chemicals for oil and gas extraction has been banned, the goal being to protect the public from exposure to these toxic chemicals. The uh, U.S. EPA has also proposed regulations for certain forms of PFAS, the less deadly ones. What the frack? And now, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump, you've heard of him, former president, has um, this week, as always, made a series or a collection or a clump of comments, many of which um, had uh, troubled relationships with the truth. Uh, my favorite from this week was one uh, that indicated... A certain 
degree of ignorance, pardon me, on the ex-president's part, about where genies live. What they've done is they've released the genie out of the box. You understand that? I think we can expect this week an angry response from the genie lobby. But now... Well, it's a world full of um, news about Cruz, the um, supposedly auto- uh, uh, autonomous driverless rover robo taxis owned by General Motors. The CEO this week confirmed reports that his now paused driverless taxis, they're off the road need regular human intervention to help them make sense of the road. He's downplaying the severity. He made a statement in a um, thread about a New York Times story in which an unnamed cruise employee claimed the company's robotaxes required human help every 2.5 to 5 miles and had a support staff so large there were 1.5 workers per cruise vehicle. suggesting Cruz's taxis aren't nearly as driverless as they are supposed to be. His comments were confirmed as legitimate. The CEO, Kyle Vogt, by a Cruz spokesperson who echoed much of what the CEO and co-founder <laughs> said in his statement. According to Vote and Cruise, the company's robo-taxis are only being remotely assisted between 2 to 4% of the time, and then only, quote, in complex urban environments, unquote, when they're uh, out in simple remote environments, they do fine, and of course, there's great demand for taxis out there. Vote added the 2.5-foot-5-mile figure refers to how frequently Cruise robo-taxis initiate a remote assistant session. Few of those sessions ever reach an actual human, he says. Or actually, uh, the spokesperson says. As to the uh, amount of staffing, Vote says, quote, we're intentionally overstaffed, given our small fleet size, in order to handle localized bursts of remote assistance demand. With a larger fleet, we expect to handle bursts with a smaller ratio of RA operators to AV. Remote assistance to autonomous vehicles. He added he believed the reported staffing numbers included those who supported cruise fleet operations beyond remote assistance. In case you hadn't heard, the company paused all driverless operations across the U.S. at the end of October after the California DMV suspended the company's license to operate in the state over risks to public safety. Even before its public relations crisis of recent weeks, though, previously unreported internal materials, such as chat logs, 
so Cruz had known internally about two pressing safety issues. Driverless Cruz cars struggle to detect large holes in the road, hello New Orleans, and have so much trouble recognizing children in certain scenarios, they risked hitting them. Yet until it came under fire this month, Cruz kept its fleet of driverless taxis active, maintaining its regular reassurances of safety. This according to The Intercept. Internal materials from Cruz reviewed by The Intercept, living up to its name, I guess, reveal an underlying tension between potentially life-and-death engineering problems and the effort to deliver the future as quickly as possible. With uh, its parent company, GM, hemorrhaging money on the venture, any setback for the company's robo-safety regimen could threaten its business. So instead of seeing public accidents and internal concerns as yellow flags, Cruz sped ahead with its business plan before its permitting crisis in California. The company was, according to Bloomberg, exploring expansion to 11 new cities. But behind the scenes, Cruz was grappling with its own safety issues around hitting kids with cars. One of the problems addressed in the internal, previously unreported safety assessment materials is the failure of Cruz's vehicles to, under certain circumstances, effectively detect children so that they can exercise extra caution. Quote, Cruz AVs may not exercise additional care around children, According to one internal safety assessment, the company's cars, it says, still, quote, need the ability to distinguish children from adults so it can display additional caution around children. The materials say Cruz word its vehicles might drive too fast at crosswalks or near a child who could move abruptly into the street. The materials also say Cruz lacks data around kid-centric scenarios like children suddenly separating from their accompanying adult, falling down, riding bicycles, or wearing costumes. The internal materials attribute the robot car's inability to reliably recognize children under certain circumstances to inadequate software and testing. Quote, We have low exposure to small VRUs, vulnerable road users, a reference to children, quote, so very few events to estimate risk from. Another section concedes cruise vehicles lack of a high-precision small VRU classifier or machine learning software would, that would automatically detect child-shaped objects around the car and maneuver accordingly. The materials say Cruz, in an attempt to compensate for machine learning shortcomings, is relying on human workers behind the scenes to manually identify children encountered by AVs where its software couldn't do so automatically. Cruz says it's inaccurate that our AVs, AVs were not detecting or exercising appropriate caution around pedestrian children, but that, says the Intercept, is undermined by internal cruise materials reviewed by The Intercept and the company itself. 
The intercept continues, Cruz has known its cars couldn't detect holes, including large construction pits with workers inside for well over a year. Internal Cruz assessments claim this flaw constituted a major risk to the company's operations. This wasn't uh, necessarily a hypothetical concern. Video footage captured from a cruise vehicle reviewed by The Intercept shows one self-driving car operating in an unnamed city driving directly up to a construction pit with multiple workers inside. The pit was surrounded by orange cones. The cruise vehicle drives directly toward it, finally coming to an abrupt halt. Quote, enhancing our AV's ability to detect potential hazards around construction zones has been an area of focus, said official from an official from Cruz. We have, uh, they say, conducted extensive human-supervised testing and simulations, resulting in continued improvements, the official says. These include enhanced cone detection. According to Phil Coopin, a professor at Carnegie Mellon, who is uh, a long career working on AV safety, the problem is the data-driven culture of machine learning that leads tech companies to contemplate hazards only after they've encountered them rather than before. The fact that robots have difficulty detecting, quote, negative obstacles, that's AV jargon for a whole, is nothing new, says Koopman. They should have had that hazard on their hazard list from day one. If you are only training it to how to handle things you've already seen, there's an infinite supply of things that you won't see until it happens to your car. And so machine learning is fundamentally poorly suited to safety for this reason. According to um, an internal memo, crews began operating fewer driverless cars during daytime hours with the goal of avoiding encountering children, a move it deemed effective at mitigating the overall risk without fixing the underlying technical problem. The uh, company's machines, at the time of this report, were struggling to match the safety performance of an average human. Cruz's goal was at the time for his robots to merely drive as safely around children at the same rate as an average Uber driver. The goal, the interior, internal materials note, it was failing to meet. Meanwhile, the Register British Tech Journal reports Cruz has submitted what is technically a recall notice to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration this week, updating the uh, fleet so they'll no longer drag pedestrians along the road after running them over. The update is intended to make the onboard driving software better at realizing when the car has hit a person who is already down low or on the ground and making sure the vehicle doesn't make the situation worse by pulling over and further injuring the victim. More news of our smart smart world. After returning from a Lodge-exclusive party over the weekend, some Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT owners, remember NFTs? 
Yeah. Are complaining about severe eye pain, skin burns, and poor vision, potentially caused by powerful UV lights used at the event. Some folks reported that the pain was so bad they had to go to the hospital for treatment. They gathered in Hong Kong for Ape Fest at the beginning of the month. It's a large party and event that reportedly saw over 2,000 people show up to dance around and pretend that the NFT marketplace is still alive. Only those who owned a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT were able to attend the exclusive event. And p- pictures from the party show a big stage where a concert was held. But now many partygoers are dealing with excruciating eye pain, potentially caused by UV lights used during the concert. At least one partygoer was reportedly diagnosed with photokeratitis, also known as welder's eye, and was prescribed steroid eye drops and lubricants to help treat the condition. So many people have been complaining of eye pain after the event, One Bored Ape owner started a thread with tips on how to treat welder's eye pain. Yuga Labs, the company behind Bored Apes, the NFT project, said it was aware of the situation and is taking it seriously. It's trying to find the true root cause of the multiple reports of eye pain and skin burns. But at least we're talking about NFTs again. And... Gaming companies aren't fans of what Elon Musk is doing with X, the social network formerly called Twitter. Sony says it's removing support for X from its PlayStation game consoles, effective uh, this coming week. Integration with X will no longer function on PlayStation 4 and 5 consoles, says Sony. No comment from Sony Interactive about why PlayStation is cutting off X. Musk's move to charge companies for access to X's API, application programming interface, appears to be the most likely reason. Yeah, money is the most likely reason for just about everything. Sony's announcement about disabling X on PS consoles come after Microsoft's Xbox cut off the ability to share content to X in April. Blizzard's World of Warcraft dropped in-game Twitter integration way back in February. Twitter announced in February it would begin charging developers a monthly fee to let their apps access its API. Things are tough all around, apparently. Korean Air said on Tuesday it strictly manages cosmic radiation exposure for its flight crews after a landmark decision in Korea ruled that an air steward's cancer death was akin to an industrial accident. The ruling by the state-run Korea Workers' Compensation and Welfare Service found the cancer death of a male flight attendant who had flown for the flag carrier for 25 years resulted from cosmic radiation exposure. Flight crews you may know, face higher levels of naturally occurring cosmic radiation, the shielding effect of Earth's atmosphere decreases at higher altitude. The attendant in question spent um, about a 1,000 hours on board a plane each year. Nearly half of the flights 
covering long-haul routes to the Americas and Europe. Such routes expose flight crews to more radiation because they involve flying over the North Pole, where such radiation is higher due to Earth's magnetic field. Don't tell Santa. It's a smart, 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 smart world. You may have noticed, I certainly have, that uh, many other news media pick up stories that originate in the New York Times. This week we had one example of a story that was, and another example of one that wasn't. The uh, former was the Times's report on its own presidential preference poll that showed um, dire results for President Joe Biden in his race against, or his putative race against, former President Donald Trump. That was picked up almost everywhere, trumpeted as major news, or Biden as major news. Um, And at the same time, the Times ran a story that was picked up by almost no other medium. An investigation by the Times found that many of the troops sent to bombard the Islamic State in 2016 and 2017, those troops returned to the U.S. plagued by nightmares, panic attacks, depression, and hallucinations. Once reliable Marines turned unpredictable and strange, some are now homeless. A striking number eventually died by suicide or tried to. More than half the Marines in the one of the batteries sent over to Syria to bombard the Islamic State eventually received diagnoses of traumatic brain injuries, according to a briefing prepared for Marine Corps headquarters. The report warned the experience in Syria showed that firing a high number of rounds from artillery day after day could incapacitate crews, quote, faster than combat replacements can be trained to replace them, unquote. The military did not seem to be taking the threat seriously, the briefing cautioned. Safety training, both for gun crews and medical personnel, was so deficient, it said, that the risks of repeated blast exposure, quote, are seemingly ignored, unquote. In case after case, the military treated the crew's combat injuries as routine psychiatric disorders if they treated them at all. Troops were told they had attention deficit order or depression. Many were given potent psychotropic drugs. Hey, I'll join the Marines for that. That made it hard to function and failed to provide much relief. Others who started acting strangely after the deployments were dismissed as problems, punished for misconduct, and forced out of the military in punitive ways that cut them off from the veterans' health care benefits they now desperately need. Evidence suggests that while individual blasts rippling through brain tissue may not cause obvious lasting injury, repeated exposure appears to create scarring that eventually could cause neural connections to fail. That's according to a senior Army blast researcher who retired recently after a career studying the problem. 
Congress passed a number of bills in the last few years ordering the Pentagon to start a sprawling Warfighter Brain Health Initiative to try to measure blast exposure and develop protocols to protect troops. But a Marine officer currently in charge of an artillery battery questioned whether that was accurate. He said recently he has never seen or heard of the new safety guidelines and nothing was being done to document his troops' blast exposure. The relentless firing in Syria was being driven by a small top-secret Army Delta Force group called Task Force 9. Then-President Trump had given the task force broad authority to use heavy firepower, and the task force applied it with savage enthusiasm, often bending the rules to hit not just enemy positions, but also mosques, schools, dams, and power plants. That was us doing that. As I say, not repeated nearly as much as the story about the pole and the injuries to troops actually happened. And now? I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir, you. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Sure. said. A new type of zooplankton found in marine and fresh water can ingest and break down microplastics, scientists have discovered, this reported by The Guardian, but rather than providing a solution to the threat microplastics pose to aquatic life, the tiny creatures known as rotifers could be accelerating the risk. They split the particles into thousands of smaller and potentially more dangerous nanoplastics. Each rotifer, named for the Latin for wheelbearer, because of a whirling wheel of cilia around their mouths, can create between 350 and 360 nanoplastics each day. The animals are microscopic, ubiquitous, and abundant, with up to 23,000 individuals found living in one liter of water in one location. The researchers from a team led by University of Massachusetts Amherst calculated in Poyang Lake, the largest in China, rotifers were creating 13.3 quadrillion of these microscopic plastic particles every day. Let's drink to the rotifers, shall we? And a Purdue study finds that microplastics in lakes and ponds can cause algae to grow out of control, depriving fish and other aquatic life of oxygen. Tiny organisms like zooplankton eat algae, helping to control it in lakes and ponds, but the Purdue researchers say too many microplastics, about the same size as algae, can get in zooplankton's way. It can cause gut blockages and other issues that limit how much algae they can eat. Too much algae in water can deprive fish and other aquatic life of the oxygen they need to survive. 
It can also release toxic chemicals that can make the water unsafe for animals and people alike. Using high-speed photography, researchers at Princeton and Cornell have demonstrated that the ocean can transport microplastics into the atmosphere, adding to the evidence that the sea may not be the final resting place for plastic pollution that it's often thought to be. But researchers at North Carolina State University have genetically engineered bacteria to break down a source of plastic pollution in the ocean. The project is the first to ever successfully break down polyethylene terephthalate, PET, plastic, in salt water. PET is a really common plastic, said the researcher, in our daily life. The water bottle is made from PET. We have a lot of clothes made from polyester. We're actually PET as well. The uh, project developed a genetically modified organism to eat PET in salt water. PET bottles have a low recycling rate of 15 to 35%. So researchers engineered an organism that combined features of two different bacteria species. They took DNA from a microbe known to eat PET that did not, did not grow well in salt water, and they put it in Vibrio natrigens, a rapidly reproducing saltwater microbe. The uh, research paper stated the resulting organism could completely degrade one gram per liter of PET in about 24 years. A water bottle made from PET could normally take hundreds of years to decompose naturally. The researchers agreed one of the next steps is to determine how to make the uh, engineered microbes degradation process even faster by about a hundredfold for people to think about using it to do something really useful in the problem, said one of the researchers. He estimates five to ten more years of research to optimize the engineered organism. News of microplastics, ladies and gentlemen. We're living with them. And now, the apologies of the weak and the strong. We're so sorry. Representative Dean Phillips, a Democrat of Minnesota, apologized to Senator Bernie Sanders for dismissing his, Sanders, past criticism of the primary election system. Phillips is making a long-shot bid for the Democratic presidential nomination. Quote, I have an apology to make to Bernie Sanders, Phillips wrote on X. I had long dismissed his complaints about the rigged Democratic Party primary system. But you know what? He was right. And I apologize, Bernie. Unquote. Sanders, who most recently ran for the White House four, uh, three years ago, had previously scrutinized the system in states with closed primaries. Those were only registered or de uh, Republicans or Democrats could participate in their respective primary. He also made comments suggesting the Democratic Party had used a limited primary schedule in 2016 to rig the process. Phillips' apology comes as the three-term congressman paces 
a challenging path to victory in his bid for the White House. He officially launched last month after initially signaling he wouldn't. He has been an outspoken critic of the 2024 Democratic primary. That there really isn't one yet. Urged others to throw their hats in the ring so a party could have a, quote, competitive race, unquote. The CEO of Air Canada, Michael Rousseau, has apologized for the airline's accessibility shortfalls. And the word is probably uh, ill-chosen. And announced new measures to improve the travel experience for hundreds of thousands of passengers living with a disability. This according to the Canadian press. Rousseau said the carrier will speed up a three-year accessibility plan after a number of recent reports of passenger mistreatment, including an incident where a man with spastic cerebral palsy was forced to drag himself off an airplane in Las Vegas due to a lack of assistance. Quote, Air Canada recognizes the challenges customers with disabilities encounter when they fly and accepts its responsibility to provide convenient and consistent service so that flying with us becomes easier. Sometimes we do not meet this commitment, for which we offer a sincere apology. Unquote the chief executive. He continued, quote, as our customers with disabilities tell us, the most important thing is that we continuously improve in the future. We're listening to them, and today we're committing to do better and demonstrating that commitment with concrete actions. Unquote. <laughs> no, they're not being encased in concrete. The measures range from establishing a customer accessibility director to consistently boarding passengers who request lift assistance first. Air Canada also claims it will implement annual recurrent training in accessibility for its 10,000-odd employees and to include mobility aids in an app that can track luggage. A visiting research professor of disability rights at Western University's law faculty says as a blind person he dreads flying in Canada because of unreliable service. Quote, the inconsistency with the quality of the ground assistance you get is appalling. The problem is that we've got airlines that systemically are not ensuring that they respect the law and obey it and a law enforcement regime that's fatally flawed. Unquote. Maybe this Canada thing isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Dateline Los Angeles, the Grammy-winning producer Timbaland told Britney Spears he was sorry for suggesting that her ex-boyfriend, Justin Timberlake, should have put a muzzle on her for speaking out about their relationship in her new memoir, The Woman in Me. The comment which Timbaland made last month at a live event had drawn backlash from fans who called the remarks misogynistic. Quote, I'm sorry to all the Britney fans, even to her, Timbaland said. I'm sorry because muzzle was, no, you have a voice, you speak what you want to speak. Who am I to tell you what not to speak? And I was wrong for saying that. He added he knows, quote, about respecting women, unquote, and said he is a father, but admitted Quote, I have my own mental health issues. I got my own triggers, unquote. 
He later said the comment was meant to be a joke, but acknowledged, quote, I could look outside myself and say that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a nice thing to say, unquote. Even before the release of the memoir, Timberlake, not Timbaland, apologized for his behavior during his three-year relationship with Spears. Too much timber. They line Richmond, Richland Center, Wisconsin. Parents are concerned about the way the Richland Center School District teaches children about slavery after the school newsletter shows... Nah, this isn't the first time this has happened. An image of students reenacting the slave trade. The November 1st Richland Center School District newsletter showed students inside the high school hallway during a U.S. history class lying next to each other closely, some smiling, as the district said they're learning about the tight quarters African-American slaves were forced into when they were shipped to this country. One parent emailed the school district asking how this is acceptable, that it should never happen again, and that no student should be asked to participate in it. This parent and their spouse requested anonymity, but said they felt the reenactment was insensitive and racist. That activity, said the parent, was performed in a school with mostly white students who probably don't have the context to understand exactly what they were doing, and that is absolutely evident by the way they were having so much fun laying on the ground and pretending to be slaves, unquote. The co-principal of the school, Liz Perkins, responded, saying in part, quote, I was assured that the activity was taken seriously and the photo was really just a snapshot in the moment photo. Students generally smile for the camera, so it may have appeared that they were joking or laughing during the activity. I apologize for that. The teacher is aware of your viewpoint now and will take that into consideration in the future. Unquote. No smiling down there. A Brooklyn pastor who was disciplined after he allowed a pop star to shoot a lewd music video in his church, wrote a letter to his parish last week taking, quote, full responsibility for the matter, while adding that he had, quote, no knowledge that such a scene, unquote, would be filmed in the church. Major, Major, Monsignor Jamie Gigantiello, pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the Diocese of Brooklyn, said in the letter that the $5,000 paid to the church for the filming of the video will be donated to Bridge to Life, a pro-life pregnancy center in New York State, quote, so that from this negative event can come the promotion of life, unquote. The October, October 31st video called Feather, which has amassed more than 5 million views on YouTube, shows pop star Sabrina Carpenter, okay, dancing provocatively on the altar of the historic 19th century Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin Mary Church. The video included scenes shot both inside and outside the church. Carpenter appeared at one point in the video with no pants. She got no pants on. While profane decorations lay atop and around the altar, the video depicted several men fighting over the singer, 
and eventually killing each other over her. Their funeral coffins appear to end up in the Catholic Church in the video. In his letter, Monsignor Gigantiello said he offered his, quote, sincere apologies to our faithful parishioners for this shameful representation, which I wholeheartedly renounce, unquote. But I'm keeping the money. And Lloyd's of London, the giant UK insurance and reinsurance market, founded way back in 1688, has apologized for its historic link to slavery. Quote, We are deeply sorry for the Lloyd's Market's participation in the transatlantic slave trade. It is part of our shared history that caused enormous suffering and continues to have a negative effect, a negative impact, sorry, on black and ethnically diverse communities today. Unquote. Lloyd's. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyright of feature this broadcast. And finally, this regarding the uh, trial that uh, former President Donald Trump is attending, the trial, the uh, civil trial in New York, regarding his penchant for over-evaluating the value of his properties and uh, other assets for the sake of getting lower interest rates on his loans from banks, primarily Deutsche Bank, since the uh, regular New York banks by this point wouldn't be doing business with him anymore. This from Deutsche Bank, the Trump haircut. According to Insider, that is what Deutsche Bank called the routine cuts they applied to whatever the former president told them he was worth. The haircut reference was made during the uh, civil trial. The word jumped out during an esoteric finance discussion. First of all, what is a haircut? Said uh, an attorney for the uh, attorney general's office, which is prosecuting the case. Nicholas Hay was on the stand, a banker who helped sign off on the more than $400 million the Deutsche Bank loaned to the pre- former president over the past decade. A haircut, he replied, is a way by which the bank reduces the stated value of the asset in order to form some kind of assessment of what it might be worth, should there be a default. Hay replied, Nicholas Hay, the banker. His... Uh, pre- and post-haircut net worth, referring to Trump, varied wildly, the banker showed. In 2011, Trump told the bank he was worth $4.26 billion. After the haircut, he'd be worth as little as $2.365 billion, according to the fourth page of Deutsche Bank's Trump credit report issued in 2011. That was Deutsche Bank's way of taking Trump's very sunny assessments of his worth and using them to calculate what he'd be worth in a very worst-case scenario. If he defaulted on a loan, for example, then the bank might sell his properties in a down market for golf courses. The term first surfaced two years ago in a court filing by the Attorney General's office that described how the bank took 
Trump's self-described net worth and used it to calculate their own separate, lower stress scenario. A different haircut would be applied by Deutsche Bank depending upon the kind of asset. The haircut on cash was very low, since cash doesn't really depreciate. But the haircut on Trump's golf resorts? That was 50%, was the testimony. And in 2011, Deutsche Bank gave Trump a 75% haircut on what he said his Seven Springs estate in upstate New York was worth. Because that valuation included the development of nine luxury mansions that had not yet been built. Just the phrase Trump haircut is worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, just clarifying a little bit more about that New York Times story. The uh, heavy artillery being used were cannons, and uh, the crews were working double duty because the uh, Marine Corps was trying to reduce the number of troops involved in the exercise. Hence, the damage to the troops. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week's show. Back next week, same time, same radio station, or on your audio device of your choice whenever you want it. So please join us then. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, to Thomas Walsh at WNO New Orleans, and to the uh, Hawaii desk as well. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, what were those? And um, you can check out the playlist for the music here and so much more, all at harryshearer.com. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.